not able to preach to us this morning. Uh, I'm very privileged to be given the opportunity, and I pray that with the shortness of time for preparation, I may be able to present to you the wonderful gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've already been reminded, tomorrow brings in a new year. I don't need to remind you again, but it's something, a time for contemplation, for thinking about our times and know that they're in God's hands. I'm sure many of you have asked the question, where's the year gone? Certainly something that's passed very quickly, isn't it? And uh, I suppose others would be asking, well, what will 2024 bring for us? Well, of course, we don't know. Many people may be apprehensive about the days ahead. There may be much to fear. What's going to happen? Is there going to be danger and uncertainty as there seems to be in the world at the moment? But throughout this psalm, whatever may our fears be, the Lord gives us assurance of his presence. He gives us rest in spite of ourselves. He gives us a refuge. And he describes himself as being our fortress. That's reassuring, isn't it? In the days in which we live. Days of uncertainty. It doesn't mean we're not going to be tested. We're going to be tested by the trials that are ahead during uh, this coming year. But we are promised that the Lord will be with us if we are his through faith in him. If we're trusting him, if we're living under his sheltering presence. In verse 4 it says, under his wings. And we'll look at that a little bit later on. And there are many other illustrations in this psalm that are like this are an encouragement to us. We're not going to use the whole psalm. We're going to look into some of the words which will encourage us for the coming year. This last year, some of our friends have gone from us. They've been promoted to eternal glory. And there's no doubt, I suppose, there'll be more of them in 2024. I'm not wanting to be gloomy about this. It may happen to some of us. But you know that holds no fear for the one who's trusting and following the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we know that this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to something greater, something better. For those who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, to die is gain. To be with Christ is far better. We don't have to face, we won't have to face the the trials and difficulties of this life anymore. There'll be no more sin, 
No more sorrow, no more tears. What a brilliant hope we have to look forward to, don't we? We can look back and give thanks for the Lord's grace shown to us during this past year. But what about the year ahead? We've got to look forward, haven't we? Can't always look back. We can look back and be thankful for God's blessing on us. But we look forward to what he's got for us in the future. It's going to be a surprise to us. Many of the things that are going to happen. And we're going to rejoice in God's goodness to us. But one thing is very certain. In all our circumstances, whether we've got sickness and health or health, war or peace, the Lord's promises will never fail us. He will always do what he says. And we can have complete confidence in him to keep his promises and to keep us through difficult times, both in times of Pestilence, it says in, in the uh, old version, I think, of this. He will keep us through all that we have to go through in the coming year, whether it's times of difficulty or times of peace and calm. And in all the uncertainty which is ahead of us, the Lord's people can take comfort in the promises that he's made to us. But it is only for them. It's only for those who are trusting in the Saviour, not trusting in themselves, not trusting in what they have done and how well they think they've lived, but trusting in Him alone, the one who came to sacrifice Himself for our sins, the one who is our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. One of the Reformed Confessions of Faith puts it a bit like this. I haven't got it accurate, but I have it near as I can. My only comfort is that with body and soul, both in life and death, I am not my own. That's important, isn't it? We are not our own. I am not my own, but belong to my Saviour, Jesus Christ who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from the power of the devil and so preserved me that unless it is his will, not a hair can fall from my head. That's his purpose, isn't it, sometimes? And therefore by his Holy Spirit, he assures me of eternal life, he makes me sincerely willing and ready to live for him. That's a great calling for a Christian, isn't it? It's a wonderful calling. It's a great privilege to know our Lord in that way. So even though our faith may be weak, we're strengthened to serve him in his strength alone. And the strength that our Savior gives us. And for this reason we are to live on earth constantly in need of God's words of wisdom and comfort and encouragement. 
We so easily become afraid of many of our circumstances, don't we? How often have we been disappointed during this past year? Many people are afraid of loneliness, and rightly so. Rejection, weakness, pain, and suffering. And even danger, physical danger. But the greater danger is being in the spiritual realm, isn't it? The greatest danger is spiritual danger. Because of these things, our loving Lord gave us the words recorded here and in many other places in the Scriptures to comfort and strengthen us, to enable us to live for Him triumphantly. In Romans we read that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And also later on in that same chapter, that uh, who can bring any charge against God's elect, God's chosen ones? Who can be the accuser when Christ has died for us and given us that assurance of eternal life in him? So, in many places in Scripture, God gives us these encouragements. He gives them to us because he knows we are weak. He, He knows that we get discouraged very easily. So, where do we find such a refuge as is described here in verse 1? verse 2, not verse 1. Well, the psalm reminds us that it's in the shelter of the Most High, in the shadow of the Almighty. And this is a typical Old Testament way of saying the same thing twice over without boring us and giving us assurance, reinforcing what uh, the Lord wants to say to us. A shelter protects us from the storm. How we value that, don't we, when we're out and the storm comes upon us to find somewhere to shelter. And the shadow is where we go for relief from the the blazing heat of the sun or a, a severe fire. God is both a shelter and a shadow to us. Now, this is not describing the state of eternal glory, Because when we get there, I hope we're going there, when we get there to be perfect peace and comfort. No protection from any of the difficulties we have in this life would be necessary then. It'd be a place of perfect peace, perfect comfort. And then we'll be able to rejoice without any fear at all if we're in the presence of the Lord. And everything that would cause discomfort and distress of any kind won't be there. We rejoice to be without these things that are attacking us. Everything that would cause difficulties will be gone forever. And we can read that in the book of Revelation. I read it this morning. Chapter 22 tells us uh, about the glory which is there in the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven. And it's a tremendous way to end the year, to read that chapter, isn't it? So we need the shelter. We need the shadow. Oh, we still have to face dangers and difficulties, but our God graciously promises to be among us as we live our lives for him. 
and provides protection for us. Now, putting this into a New Testament context, of course, it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. We find we've sung about him this morning. We've sung about our great Savior. We've rejoiced in what he's done for us. God provides this great protection for us through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's in him that all the fullness of deity is possessed. We find that all we need for our safety and the consequence of sin is to know him and to have completeness of life in him. Jesus himself said, I have come that they may have life in all its fullness. That's what we need, isn't it? To be able to rejoice in God our Savior, to have the life in all its fullness that Jesus gives. Now in some Bible versions, the word shelter is translated as a secret place. In the time of writing of this psalm, What was promised was secret to all those who weren't Jews, except for one or two Gentiles who were brought in, people like uh, Rahab and Ruth and Naaman the Syrian and the the widow Zarephath and maybe a few others as well. But to those who were not Jews, generally, it was secret. It was a secret thing. We're told in other generations it was not known. But now it has been revealed through the gospel. And all the blessings brought to us through our Lord Jesus Christ have come to us through the message of the gospel. This is why we call it good news. In all the difficulties we may have in life, the gospel is good news for those who are trusting the Lord Jesus. Sadly, there are still those in the darkness of the night who've refused to hear the message of the gospel. They may have heard it many times. Perhaps you have heard the gospel many times and you've never responded to it. You've not trusted the Savior. Oh, don't be one of them. Please don't be one of them. But trust in this one who is able to deliver us from sin and give us the support that we need to live the life he's called us to live. Now, David was very conscious of the Lord's support and protection in his own life. And he expresses that in many of the Psalms. You are my hiding place, he says. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. And in another Psalm, he says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. What tremendous statements of faith there, aren't there? I shall never be shaken. What a blessing to be able to say that in our lives, isn't it? Now this psalm doesn't claim to be a psalm of David, as we know he was the author of many of the psalms. Some think it was Moses who wrote it. There were occasions, of course, when he needed the hiding place. When he confronted Pharaoh, he needed to be sure that he was under the protection of his God. When he killed the Egyptian, they had to flee away from Egypt. And then on another occasion when Pharaoh changed his mind about letting the Israelites go, and he and his armies tried to force them back to repossess them as slaves. God was their deliverer. They found in him a great hiding place. 
and they were delivered through the pillar of fire which protected them from the Egyptians after they crossed the Red Sea. We need a place of shelter today. Many of uh, the trials and difficulties we face probably be more psychological and spiritual than physical. We're dependent on the Lord for every breath we take. The times when he needs to remind us of that. We so easily fail to give him the glory which is his due. We forget that he has granted us so many benefits, as the psalmist says. We easily fall into a state of complaint instead of thanksgiving. We forget his loving care for us. And you know, some of the most subtle attacks that have, we have to face all too easily produce a complaining spirit. And we need to guard against that. And the only way we can do that is to believe, have faith in the promises of God and be sure that what he says is true. The Lord crowns us with loving kindness, we read in Psalm 103. And Peter tells us that we can cast all our burdens upon him. So what does it mean to dwell in the shelter of the Most High? Well, obvious from the the context here, the Most High is referring to God himself, isn't it? The Lord, the God of all the earth. In verse 4, it speaks about us being covered with his wings. And this is, of course, a picture of the parent bed. We all know this uh, situation, I'm sure. But um, a picture of the parent bed protecting its young by covering it with its wings to hide the, the chick from a predator or to protect it from a predator. David used this picture as well on many occasions. When fleeing from Saul uh, to the cave, he wrote, I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. And he used this expression many times through the Psalms. But this is also a means of being aware of the traps that are awaiting us. But through the grace given to us by God, to take action to avoid them. And the most sensible action, the most useful action, the only action that we can take is to know that we can be sheltered from all the forces of evil that bring these difficulties upon us by the Lord God Almighty himself. Now, we can't expect protection. We're told uh, to rest in the shadow of the Almighty, and it means to live close to God. We can't expect that protection unless we do live close to him. Very great difficulty thing to do. We have so many temptations in our way. But the Lord assures us that he, He's our help and our salvation. And there's a promise that when we rest in the Lord, we can call upon Him and He will answer. But our testimony must be true. God's our Lord and Master. We're to do what He tells us. And to be able to do that, we need to know what he's telling us. That's why we have his word. 
That's why we read it day by day, so that we know what God's saying to us. It tells us of his faithfulness. He's never let us down. He says what he means. He assures us that he'll give us understanding and that we'll act upon what he tells us. That's our responsibility. I was reminded recently how quickly Satan attacks us through our feelings. They're easily uh, disturbed, aren't they, our feelings? We're up and down quite, quite quickly. But you know, we've got a much more certain way of having confidence in God than what we feel. Many, feel, many people feel certain things which are manifestly not true about God. And the only certainty is in what God has actually spoken himself. We find that only in the scriptures. They are our sole authority. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to bring to our attention those things that we need to know as we read God's word day by day. But the only objective truth that we can rely upon is here in God's word, the Bible. Peter wrote, we have the word of the prophets made more certain. You will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place. Because this is true, we need not fear the terrors that are mentioned in verse 5. In fact, day and night, and wherever we are, we can have confidence in this Lord who has saved us and brought us into assurance of eternal life in him. And that's why we trust God's word. We know that through it, he has spoken. And what he says is true. It reminds us that he's our shield and our defense. He supplies us with the sword of the Spirit, his word, to help us overcome the chief adversary of our lives, the devil himself. Ultimately, it means, as Jesus said, to remain in him or abide in him. I like the word abide. It is an old word. But I like that word because it means not only do we remain in him, but we are brought into fellowship with him. We live with him. And we bear fruit for his glory. So to whom are these promises given? We're left in no doubt about that. It's a broad promise. It implies a wide invitation. See how it begins? Whoever... Whoever, that includes you, it includes me, whoever, all are invited. It's to whatever, it is to whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Jesus put it this way, all the Father gives to me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never turn away, I will never drive away. That's a great promise. We need to believe it, don't we? There are so many promises and invitations in the scriptures 
of God inviting us to come to Him, and especially they come through our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, He said. I will give you rest. Anyone who's trying to get right with God without Jesus is tiring without relief. He is the only one who can give us that relief. He's the only one who can save us. He's the only one who can draw us to himself. There are many promises in Scripture like that, aren't there? We're never able to please God by our own efforts. It's not possible. Everyone who's tried it's proved it to be futile. It's doomed to failure. There is no righteousness of our own which is sufficient. Everything falls short. The prophet says, all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. And when we recognize our total inability to be right with God on our own merits, we realize there is no other on whom we can depend but our Lord Jesus Christ alone. He is the one who can deliver us. And we can only say, no righteousness of my own I claim, but holy trust in Jesus' name. Another invitation Jesus gave was when he was at the Feast of Tabernacles on the last and greatest day of the feast. That's emphasized in the passage there. The greatest day of the feast. And Jesus stood up and he spoke in a loud voice. I presume it tells us that so that everybody could hear him. If anyone who's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within. He was speaking about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who was going to be given. He wasn't given yet because Jesus hadn't been glorified. And there are many, many more invitations of the Lord Jesus Christ. That great invitation at the very end of the Bible in Revelation 22. Come. Come. Three times, I think. Four times, maybe. It says, come. I should remember it better than that, because I only read it this morning. But certainly, the invitation is there. It's a wonderful invitation, isn't it? From our Lord Jesus Christ. Come to him. He invites us. He calls us to follow him, to be his disciples. And there are many more of those invitations. In his Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. How? Through him. Our Lord provides us with a righteousness which adequately satisfies what God requires. We can have complete confidence in that. I wonder, have you responded to the invitations of Jesus? There's no other way to enter into his rest of salvation from sin. This is the challenge of God's word, to know him and Jesus Christ whom he has sent, to experience that new life in the Lord Jesus, to know his forgiveness and the promises that he gives that when we go from this life, We go to be with him forever. What a glorious prospect that is, isn't it? And what an encouragement. Beginning of this year, 
to know that if we are trusting the Savior, no matter what happens, He's our shelter, He's our refuge, He's our fortress. We can have complete confidence in Him. But look at the alternative. The Bible describes it in a place called hell. And it's described in various ways. And we're reminded of that from time to time. But one of the ways it's described is outer darkness, where there is only wailing, gnashing of teeth, no comfort. How awful to be in the state of eternal night without light. Not to know the blessings of God, cut off from Him and all the the wonderful things He provides for us. In other places it's described in a more fearful way. What a contrast with heaven. The new Jerusalem has come down out of heaven. Revelation chapter 21. Those of us who are following the the, uh, daily reading system that been provided for us. We'll have read that yesterday. The new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven, God's glory is always shining there. There is always brightness. There is no night there. Those of you who are fearful of night time, what a wonderful prospect you've got to look forward to. No night. What a great experience. There we have the everlasting shining of the Lamb of God. He is its lamp. What great prospects there are for us if we are children of God. To have God's wonderful provision to supply all our needs, to be able to be with those who have gone before and join in the hallelujahs and the worship and the praise of the Lord our God. How can we be sure to be there? We need to turn from sin by trusting the Lord Jesus. He is the one who can save us. Remember when Paul and Silas were in jail at Philippi, and the uh, jailer was obviously converted by listening to their songs. They praised the Lord. And he came to them and down on his knees and pleaded with them what he must do to be saved. Paul's answer was, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and all your house. That was a great day of of victory, wasn't it? When this pagan jailer came to realize his great need of the Savior and to trust in him. Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Do it today. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior from sin. It's the only hope for you and for me in this dangerous world in which we live. It's the only hope for anybody wherever they live. Whatever their time, soon it may be too late. Let's sing our closing hymn. Beneath the cross of Jesus, 
Oh, may I take my stand. And I understand that we can only sing three of the verses. That's verse 1, verse 4, and verse 5.